1: I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at the Bauer Club. And today, in a midday special here, I'm still joined by Dan Lamagna, and that's at FF Coach Dan on Twitter.
2: JB, every week you get me more and more excited for our show. Every week we have these great guests. And it's either, you know, someone new that I never met, that I get to learn more about. Or in this case, I mean, it's still someone new that I've never met before, but it's someone like, I feel like I know because of their rich history. So JB, let's go,
1: man. Let's get this going. Oh, unfortunately, Mitch is not going to be able to join us today. As many of you know, he is still essential to the state of Utah, but we do have a fantastic guest joining our show and he knows a little bit about fantasy football, maybe just a little bit before we introduce this week's guest. And we have another great one lined up. I want to remind everybody that Mother's Day is right around the corner. Do not get stuck getting your mom or wife the same old flowers in a card. Instead, check out myfrontpagestory.com. You'll have the chance to sit down and talk to an actual reporter who will read a fantastic story about your mom or wife, and it will look like it's from a newspaper. Plus, you don't have to leave the house for this gift, which is always a plus with everything that's going on. Again, that's myfrontpagestory.com and use code Theory20 to get 20% off. So it's a man that really needs no introduction from ESPN. You can find them on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL. None other than Mike Clay. What's going on, Mike? Thanks for joining us today.
0: Uh yeah, good to be here, guys. You mentioned we're taping this uh midday here, and it's I'm up in Connecticut, uh not too far, about what, four, four to six hours from you guys. And it's we, we have this like crazy windstorm going on. So if you hear like loud whooshing sounds in the background, that's just out the window. It's like uh trees potentially falling over, uh, my outdoor furniture kind of moving across the patio. That that's the, that's what those sounds are in the background.
1: I think our listeners, they're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. So don't worry, Mike. <laughs> so, you know, before we really jump into it, so back in the day, you were with PFF, and a lot of the metrics and analytics, advanced stats that we look at today, you actually came up with.
0: Um, yes, a few of them. Um, average step the target was one. I mean, Air yards was around, uh, going back to Brian Burke before that, but ne- it was never really applied to targets and done on a per-play basis. So... Uh, that was something that I was fortunate enough, enough to have available. Most people didn't, right? I was lucky. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I just happened to have the, the data from uh, starting the fantasy section there at PFF. And they were just pumping out so much play-by-play data and not really utilizing it. You're seeing them do that now, but it was just kind of sitting there. And I kind of uh, I kind of ran with it and applied it to the NFL and to fantasy. So uh, we did that. We did, you know, OTD, uh, which was uh, uh, gives you a better idea of pre- uh, predicting – touchdowns going forward we really started i mean look back then when i was there it was about a decade ago i mean people didn't talk about snaps or pass routes yet i was just at, at one point just every week i would just sit there and type out all of the snap counts and routes on social media until it kind of became a uh, mainstream sort of thing it was kind of crazy it's just a decade ago stuff like that was not as mainstream as it is right now so again uh just lucky that i was at the right place at the right time we had all that data and i just did my best to uh, kind of just mold it into something that was useful in fantasy and NFL prognostication.
1: And it's crazy how much data is available at our fingertips. And Dan, back in your day, whenever you were owning your semi-pro football team, I, I doubt that you had analytics like this.
2: No, it's, it's it, the landscape is evolving tremendously, and you know I do feel like I'm aging myself a bit. I feel Mike, like I feel like I've been listening to you forever. There, you started at ESPN. What year was it? 2011 ish.
0: Uh, well, no, ESPN um, going on, going into year, uh, I don't even know, year f- year five, start of year five now. So um, it was PFF for about five years and now uh, ESPN for the past uh, going on, you know,
2: four and a half or so. The years are flying. I appreciate your work. And uh, I consider myself more of the film guy compared to John and our partner, Mitch. So I'm looking forward to diving into some numbers here today.
1: So we have a mind like Mike Clay on the show. You know, one of the big things I want to talk about, it it's your clay projections. And when I first started playing, especially dynasty football, your projections, I really, I paid a lot of attention to them and I use them in my, you know, evaluations of players and whether you're looking for trade pieces. So we talk about dynasty specifically in the show, but the short-term outcomes, they have huge implications and they're just as important as the long-term value. So when did you start with these clay projections? when did you really start pumping this out?
0: Well, I've been doing projections all along in fact that's kind of how I got into the industry It was just playing you know being a, a fantasy player and being kind of frustrated with the available projections uh, in the industry. so that's kind of where I started. I just opened Excel and started going to work and I over the past decade I just continue to work on and improve uh, my my you know my uh, my tool if you will that I use for uh, projecting players and teams in the league and so forth and so on. So that's kind of a, uh, that could be a, f- a few hour podcast on its own just to, to work through that. But, um, you know, again, I've, I've been doing it all along and, and the sort of the clay projections thing has evolved over the last couple of years where I've tried to say, you know, look, I'm projecting all these things for the game. Why not try to kind of adjust it and put it in a nice, uh, a nice sort of document or sheet that people can, can enjoy on social media and in a PDF document, you know, for the site, so um, that's uh, that continues to evolve. We have some plans for utilizing them going forward. We'll see what we can do with it. But um, you know, I'm just glad the reception's been been pretty good. People seem to enjoy it.
1: Yeah. So Mitch and I, we just started doing our projections, and I think this is the first year we're, we're testing them out. And I think we have a little ways to go to get to your level, just maybe a little bit. But what inputs do you really focus on? So you you look at people, and they say, well. Player X is going to have a 1,000 receiving yards, five touchdowns, and, you know, getting those numbers to really add up to the team totals I think is one of the more difficult parts. So what I found, and I'm, you know, I would love for you to shed some light on this, but looking at the team pass attempts and rushing attempts that we're projecting, whether it's based on game script, the personnel, the coaching changes, and then kind of work down from there as opposed to just saying, okay, here's the yards, here's the touchdowns. So what what light can you shed on that kind of, I I don't want to you'd have to completely lift up the curtain to let us look behind, but just some thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I think probably the best way to explain it is that there's different departments and, you know, maybe just different department leaders and they all kind of come together and meet at the middle at the end. Right. So on one end, you're working on, you know, league level data, you know, which way is the league trending? How are other teams going to follow along? Like how are, how are things across the league going to uh, trend moving forward? Um, What, you know, what do we learn from this past season that's going to be, that will be a fluke next season or stuff that will stick going forward. Uh, And then that moves to the team by team level. Uh, It moves to what adjustments will be made on that team level because of coach and coordinator changes. And then uh, we get to the kind of the player level. So, you know, I have like one document that works through some, some automation with terms of like rate stats, right? Like catch rate and and yards per attempt and fumble rates. But if it's a category in, in fantasy or in the NFL, uh, I'm going to I'm going to be looking at it in some capacity. And then, you know, there's there's other sheets where it looks at all the, the player personnel, whether it's defense or offense, all of those players I keep track of uh, manually. And, you know, I, I a lot of it is automated things when you're doing projections that that are just can't be right. There's too many variables in the NFL. It's not as simple really as as uh, some other sport like baseball, which you automated a lot. Where, you know, football, we have to kind of put our human touch on it in terms of beat reporter reports and common sense, to be quite honest. I mean, there's a lot of things that go into it, but uh, it's something that you need – you do want to be done with. You have to be married to it. You have to do it every single day. You have to adjust for roster changes and constantly allow these things to uh, throughout uh, almost the entire calendar year. I basically just have a document that's live year-round and it's just constantly updating. It's not like okay, the season's over; it's in the garbage. We start over. There's a lot of work to done to be done to get it to the next season. But um, it's basically the same document, and you just keep updating for roster changes and and whether what other uh, whatever um, you know like categories that need to be ad- adjusted based on those league and coach and team and player trends.
1: How much of it is based on historical data versus future expectations, whether it's based on the coach, um, you know, player changing teams, you look at a certain player and let's say their historical um, touchdown percentage for quarterbacks, 4%. What, you know, what factors are you really looking at to say, okay, upcoming year, this could be an outlier year or yeah, they're pretty much going to stay on trend.
0: Well, I think you you use league history to, uh, you know, determine the answer to that question. Right. So if a guy is uh, has a four percent touchdown rate as a rookie, well, what have past rookies with a a four percent touchdown rate done or, you know, or in general, do rookies advance by 20 percent the next season? You know, you have to kind of study that sort of stuff to see uh, what what the trends say. Right. So, um, you know, I often get a lot of feedback on, well, you know, uh, in in player X's first season, they this team scored 30 touchdowns. So how can you have them at 28 the next season? Well, it's not that simple, right? It, a person can have unsustainable efficiency. And yet certainly that can be offset by them improving in year two. But there's a lot of that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. And what you'll see with projections is, you know, we'll take a, a list of Ah, uh, say second year players and just advance them all. And it's not that simple. all all, all the rookies aren't going to pan out. It's not only best case scenario and that's not what we're looking at with projections. It's weighing the upside, weighing the downside and finding a, a most likely outcome. So um, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, there's a lot to that goes into it. Like I said, you can use historical data to come up with rate trends and kind of advance them based on how players have advanced in year past in years past, but Uh, There's also that human element to it. You have to follow the news reports, you have to, um, you know, listen to what the coaches are saying, see if things are make sense and kind of apply those to the projection. So it's a lot of different things that kind of come together.
1: Absolutely. Dan, when are you uh, when are you going to provide Mitch and myself with some historical data so we can put this in our analysis? You have some free time, You got an extended weekend.
2: I'll keep doing my Google searches here. I'm just – I'm a little just overwhelmed listening to all that Mike just shared with us there, and I'm just thinking how organized he must be. Um, Mike, how how are you utilizing all this for your fantasy drafts? I mean, how are you balancing all this here?
0: Um, I mean, like I said, once once I'm all done uh, with those different departments that comes together and I can essentially hit refresh, and it all spits out projections for the whole league, whether it's uh, player data that can be used for player props or fantasy – uh, or if it's league league win totals, we're working on that right now. You know, getting set for uh, looking at the, what the sports books have for win totals for this season and see kind of what sticks out. Um, so there, there's a lot of different things you can attack with with this data, and and that's why I kind of present it the way I do. You know, whether you just are an NFL fan of a team and you want to look at, at their team sheet, fine. You know, if you're a gambler, fine, you can use it for that. If you play fantasy, fine, you can use it for that. If the the whole point is just to kind of set a baseline for the entire NFL and, and as many departments as possible. And you can
2: use that information however you want. So tell me this, Mike, I, I got my chops busted last year at the, the the draft with the guys at home. I have all these fancy charts with you know, color coded and they're calling me chartsy there. When Mike Clay's at his home draft, what do you have in front of you? Mike, is it a laptop, the phone? Is it your, your charts? How do you, how do you bring that organization into draft day?
0: Yeah. So, so what I do is I have uh, one sheet and again, I have, Uh, hundreds of tabs that I'm utilizing across multiple Excel documents, obviously that I need to be able to process all of this, but I have one that's just for rankings, right? So I'll just have my positional rankings, one column for quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end, and then you have the kicker and defense kind of off the screen, because who cares about those? We'll worry about (laughs) those in the last few rounds. Uh, And then I just kind of, I I use the, the lovely font tools in Excel. And just if a player gets picked, he turns red, And I just work my way through and I just keep, uh, you know, keep following along with the draft and pick the best value on the board. Uh, You know, some people like to use overall rankings. I'm not a fan of that because every time a player's picked, that changes. So for me, it's just, you know, those four columns with the four uh, positions is really what I'm focused on. And and that's how I attack every single draft.
1: Mike, your friends and family, if they have a fantasy league, have they kicked you out by now? They say we can't have this ringer (laughs) in our league anymore.
0: No, no. Um, you know, I've been running leagues for, you know, over a decade with family and friends and some deep dynasty leagues. They're a lot of fun. And, and I, you know, as you can imagine, it's a little unfair. I do have an edge. I do uh, tend to have a lot of success. But, you know, fantasy football also has a lot of variants. So, you know, if you have playoffs in your league and it's not just rotisserie, you're going to have some randomization in there and, and certainly some uh, some variance. So it's not like I'm just winning every every year. In fact, two years ago, I started one in my neighborhood. Uh, With some of the dads, because a lot of young families are moving in here. uh, And some of the people had never played before, I had no idea even like who Le'Veon Bell was to make the first overall pick a couple of years ago. Um, And I haven't won that uh, league either year. I've just been, you know, had some terrible picks early on. I haven't even won it yet. Just some uh, again, it's just it's it's the it's why people really love fantasy football is because once you get to the playoffs, anybody can have a huge week and, and win it for you.
1: Do you have anybody in your home leagues that if they beat you, they let you know they beat you? They really rub it in?
0: Oh, yeah. I, well, look, my my wife plays, and she has won our family league that's been going on for a decade plus. So, uh, yeah, she she has uh, been able to hang on to that trophy uh, once in a while. So I just have to remind them that I've won it the most. So, you know, it's still mine at the end of the day. But, yeah, yeah, definitely. That We have some smack talk. My dad loves to talk smack. And is awful. Like, he's, I think, made the playoffs one time in, in a decade, maybe twice. And he's the biggest smack talker ever. But, you know, whatever. It's fun. It's part of it, right? It's a, it's a huge part of fantasy football. So we love it.
1: You talk about the variance in the home leagues. My one friend, his dad is in our league. And it's just a 12-team, uh, you know, standard read- Well. PPR redraft league. And the first year he did it, it was like a day before the draft. And he goes, okay, I got to start looking up some of these players. And it's a short bench, maybe, you know, 15, 18 players. And he drafted four tight ends. Well, he went on to make the championship game that year. So just the (laughs) the level of variance that you talk about. And that's exactly why people love fantasy football, because you really don't need to know, you don't have to be an expert like yourself.
0: Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you can definitely get away. I remember uh, again; it was that it was '07, right? The year the Patriots went off, and and uh, my brother, who was very young at the time, just picked all. He liked the Patriots. He just picked all the Patriots, right? He had like Moss and um, you know, Moss and Brady and uh, Welker, and I think he had Kellen Winslow at tight end. He had like, I can't remember the running back was at the time, and he just would dominate every single week. And uh, like I specifically remember. The week they had a bye, he never he never touched his lineup all season. Like he, but he was all Patriots. So only the week that uh they were off, he got like seven points that week and lost. And that was the only loss. He ended up losing in the playoffs, of course. But um, it's just funny that something like that can can happen. Now you might some people are probably thinking, well, then why even bother trying? I'll just pick whoever. It's all random. And and that's all. We also know that's not true, right? There's a pretty significant amount of uh, you know smart decision making that can help give you an edge. Yeah, can you still get beat by variance or or bad luck absolutely that's part of it but you can still help your cause and that's why you see high stakes fantasy leagues out there and people consistently are able to win a lot of money because there's there are ways to get edges you can overcome biases and you can uh, over time you know over over a long span of time you're gonna win often if you play the game the right way
1: absolutely and you talk about you know we've said variance several times but whenever Dan loses a matchup he always says oh it's just bad luck. He never wants to own up to it over there,
2: or it's those cowboy stacks similar to the Patriot stacks that <laughs> yeah. Mike Clay talked about. So I understand.
1: Yeah. Um, so one question. So uh, Mitch, our co-host, again, he he's very upset that he had to miss this episode, but he had one question that he wanted me to throw at you, and it wasn't on the show notes. So I, I think you can still throw a good answer here. Uh, Dan over there, he's really big with dysfunction. So if you're a dysfunctional organization, he knocks you down, whether it's for his personal projections or long term value. How much do you weigh in on your projections when it comes to dysfunction? So let's just say the Jets, for example, do you kind of take that into account and say, well, for one reason or another, I'm going to lower them here? Um, because of that level of dysfunction?
0: Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, if you're thinking about coaching, uh, maybe, you know, some coaches being better than others, I, you know, it's a factor when you're kind of trying to determine how many touchdowns a team is going to score in a specific season. So maybe you knock them for, maybe you knock the jets for Adam Gase this year. Right. I mean, but that's, you know, I think you could quantify that to some extent by seeing what he did in Miami and and New York. So if there's dysfunction, there's probably bad production and that's kind of the the variable. So it's not like I'm just saying, look, I'm not drafting any jets because Adam Gase is there, but I can quantify certainly. Uh, his effect on that team, apply it, and then it'll show up in the projections, right? So uh, a guy like Bershad Perriman might be lower, Levi Umbell might be lower, or Sam Darnold might not be worth a, uh, as, you know, might not be as attractive as, in fantasy as some others. But on the other hand, name, you know, you can name teams that have dysfunction. And you, if you're passing on Jamison Crowder last season, or DJ Chark last season, or Terry McLaurin last season, of the rosters they're on well you lost and and those guys weren't too expensive you could take late flyers on them so um I think you know everything's a variable and that can be one certainly but I wouldn't just specifically cross off all the players on a roster uh because of you know dysfunction I
2: guess however you would define that that was a solid answer Mike and, and JB we know Mitch is probably listening from work and hopefully his boss isn't hearing this but You know, again, dysfunction, when I look at it, Mike, it's not to cross a guy off a list, and I always argue go back and forth with Mitch, but I look at two players being of equal or similar value, and like, what's that tilting point? And that probably goes to Mike Clay's projections of common sense. If all things are equal, I'm going to take the team with a more stable, well-coached organization. It probably goes to Mike Clay's recent article from two days ago about five NFL teams trending up. I think he must have, you know, knew he was coming on the show, John, because he started with the Cowboys Steelers on there, having some good (laughs) offseason moves. So I think those good offseason moves could correlate to some some additional fantasy production.
1: Yeah, Dan, we just had to give you a hard time. You know, I, It's always a surprise if Dan makes it through a show without throwing the word dysfunction out there. <laughs> but we all have those, those buzzwords. So let's get into a few more questions for you, Mike. I'm going to put you on the spot. So last year, who was your biggest miss? So like a, a high-value uh, bust that would have been taken in the first or second round. When you look at your projections, you mm-hmm. had them you know, at a certain level and they just really didn't pan out.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I, uh, I, I kind of attacked this the opposite way. I think, I think my biggest miss in general was a guy who we should have seen coming a guy that had top 20, top 10 value and we yeah. didn't pick him early enough and you could have gotten cheap. And that was Lamar Jackson, right? I mean, I, that one is the biggest, the largest frustration for me because you, you're sitting there late in drafts and you're picking up quarterbacks Why did we not go harder after this guy knowing what he can do with his legs? I mean, he broke the carry record in a half a season with Baltimore the year before, even if he was a bad passer. And Look, his efficiency as a passer, I mean, let's be honest. It was not good. He didn't throw the ball very well as a rookie. He did make a major leap. He had an unsustainable touchdown rate last season. That's going to come down. But still, I mean, a top 10 or top five fantasy season was very much on the table, a very strong possibility. And I am still kicking myself for that one. I, that was the one that, that really bothers me last season. And the unfortunate thing is you want to you learn right from that and then apply it to the next season. And, and you sort of can, right? It's probably Kyler Murray. But the problem is everyone is on Kyler Murray, right? It's going to be really hard to get a discount. You're not going to get that incredible discount you got on Jackson when he was going in the double-digit rounds. I mean, that one for me, you know, sometimes you're like, okay, the process was right, we got it wrong. I got hurt or bad situation, something went wrong. Fine. But with Lamar, it's inexcusable. Like I, I, I really am unhappy with myself for missing on that one.
1: Now, on the other hand, let's, let's make yourself feel a little bit better about 2019 (laughs) your biggest hit last year. So whether it's you avoided a high profile player or you really hit on a sleeper.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you what, this one was actually easy. I, I know exactly where to go here. Uh, So, I I, of course, I do uh, fantasy football now um, on ESPN2 Sunday mornings in season. So we're going into week one, and the producer wanted me to answer a question. He said, okay, so everyone's sitting there setting their lineups, getting their rosters ready uh, for the opener here. Who is a player on waivers right now, probably on on their free agent list? They can pick up and throw on their bench that's going to pay off this season. Who is that guy? And my answer was, again, I knew it at the time exactly who I wanted to say, DJ Chark of Jacksonville. I mean – it seemed like an easy one. Second year, second round player entering his second season. Ridiculous size, speed combination. I mean, there was just so much to like, and he was just untouched. No one had any interest in this guy, who was a day two pick the year before. Uh, and sure enough, he had a huge week one and had a terrific breakout second season, seemingly out of nowhere. But uh, you know, those are the guys you want to look for: high pedigree, a lot of talent. You know, good athletes, good situation. You know, he's going to play a lot available in, uh, you know, basically for free in your fantasy draft. So I uh, love that. I was a, a huge on the shark uh, bandwagon last year. So was glad to see that one pan out.
1: As much as I give Dan a hard time, I will say he was also high on DJ Shark. And in a lot of our dynasty right. leagues, he scooped him for essentially nothing, whether it was a startup draft or off-season acquisition. So, Dan, I give you a little round of applause here.
2: <laughs> love it see see, jb maybe you should be reading more of mike clay's articles that's probably where i got it from last year for all we know but we're on the same page there thank you
1: i will say though mike you mentioned fantasy football now i think in 2019 i might have missed one week and it was because my son was being baptized i tried to let my have my wife let me stay home that didn't work out for me there So, (laughs) but that i love that that program you know every sunday morning i'm glued to my tv with all of my. My team's up on my phone. So you guys do fantastic work over there, Um, you know, but I don't I don't need to tell you that. Um, So we talked about some of the the hits and the misses from last year. Let's look at 2020 with your projections. You just put them all out on Twitter. Who's a player in your 2020 projections that is going to surprise some people? And this can be for better or worse.
0: Uh, yeah, I think a, a few guys jumped into my head. Uh, the first guy near the top of drafts, I, I, I'm surprised Joe Mixon is a round one ADP. I mean, uh, that one, uh, look, I, I, I like Joe Mixon. I think he's very talented. I think the Bengals are going to be better this season. Uh, obviously, the volume as a rusher is terrific, but, it you know, it hasn't translated to RB1 value yet, right? He's finished 10th and 13th so far over the past two seasons, and I should say round one. Obviously, he's been on that uh, RB1 fringe, but he hasn't. Uh, paid off round one value just yet and look a a very effective situations better gets a lot of carries but guys he's just not a big factor as a pass catcher you know the target share has not been there for him it was down last season Gio Bernard is still there AJ Green will be back Uh, maybe a healthy John Ross you know I just don't see how he's going to get a big boost in targets to really solidify him as one of those very, very top end, say a top five fantasy running back. And that's what he has to be to pay off around one ADP. So that one surprises me. I have him down a little bit. Uh I would say on the other end, probably a couple wide receivers, Marvin Jones uh and Alshon Jeffrey, probably two guys that stand out as being undervalued right now. I mean, Alshon, look, you can get him with one of your last picks in your draft. Last last season, yeah, injuries have been a problem, but eight full games last season, he was in the number 11 scoring fantasy Uh, wide receiver. He was top 26 the two seasons before that with the Eagles. So when he plays and he's out there, he's valuable. So you can get him almost for free right now in best ball draft. So I I would, I would mention that one. Um, And then, uh, you know, I mentioned Marvin Jones as well. Again, this guy, you know, he's like almost a new, we'll say Derek Mason, right? Just consistently underrated in fantasy every single year. It's kind of crazy. Again, last, last season, he actually out-targeted Kenny Galladay when they played together there were 12 games those two and Danny Amendola played together Jones actually out targeted him and look he's been very good in fantasy you know he's been a top 27 fantasy wide receiver each of the past three years Mm -hmm. in fantasy points per game so uh, he's another guy I've found so far that's falling a little bit too far so Jones and and Jeffrey up I would say Mixon should be a little lower in ADP.
2: I think they're good takes there and and I that's where I like to absorb as much content as I can online preparing for the season. Cause guys like Marvin Jones and Alshon Jeffrey, I probably fall into that trap of neglecting them and not wanting anything to do with them. And it takes, you know, reading some of your articles or content to kind of put them back on my radar and make sure I don't let them slip too too far. Cause there is good value there.
1: Yeah. And Mike, I saw your bangles projections and that was one that really popped off to me you know Joe Mixon I think right now you have him 15th and I'm a big Joe Mixon guy with his you know on the field and I was second guessing myself on whether or not I wanted to bring you on based on that projection alone
0: <laughs> <laughs> look that's why you do the projections right it gives you some perspective on it and if you have a guy that's going to catch 35 balls in this day and age it's probably going to limit him right think about Josh Jacobs last last season how good he was I mean Jacobs was one of the best rookie running backs ever in terms of rushing efficiency but didn't get many targets and it really limited his fantasy output and that's been a problem for uh, Joe Mixon not to mention the offensive line's not very good there either so uh, love the rushing volume and maybe I'm wrong maybe they'll throw to him and he'll catch 60 70 balls it's very possible Uh, but I think if you look at it objectively he's gonna have a hard time getting there so and, and again round two You know, maybe late round two, mid to late round two, I'm fine with that. You know, but I think the round one ADP is what really bothers me.
1: Yeah, I think that I I do agree. I think that's a little bit of a reach. Now, let me ask you, because obviously in your projections right now, you have the current roster. So you have Andy Dalton slated in at quarterback. Let's say that Joe Burrow does go there. I know there's some back and forth. Oh, well, he doesn't want to be drafted there. The Bengals might not want him. There's rumors circulating. But let's say Joe Burrow does go there first overall. Do you see that – how much of an impact do you see that playing on your overall projections here for the Bengals?
0: Um, I think it'll help the offense a little bit uh, because their quarterback play was very poor last season, right? Andy Dalton really struggled. He's had he's had his moments where he's been solid uh, in the NFL. It wasn't the case last season. They just didn't have very good quarterback play, as we know. Um, so getting a guy like Burrow with that pedigree, the projections I think will be a little bit better. Um, The problem is I'm not, when you're, if you're doing these things correctly, again, setting a baseline, you don't say, you know what? I'm in on Burrow. I think this guy's a superstar. I'm going to jack up all the offense. You can't do it that way. You also have to consider the downside as well, right? You have to look at the possibility that he struggles as a rookie. Maybe someday he'll be great. Maybe someday he won't. So, uh, you know, you just have to keep that in mind for his, his first season in the league and even Kyler Murray last season. I mean, he added a lot of value with his legs, but, you know the efficiency of the passer didn't really jump off the off the table, and he didn't really boost that passing game. So uh, there's just a, a a lot of things to weigh. But again, I just to answer your question in a nutshell, I would say a, a slight boost
2: forward, Mike, last week on our show, we had Ross Tucker on here and and we took the perspective of him having played in the NFL. With everything that's going on right now in society, you know there's the concerns of a shortened off season. Does that factor into your projections? You know, Joe Burrow. You know, whether it be a rookie. You know, Ross was concerned about rookies or players with new teams. Um, are you factoring that in at all? Is you know, rookies needing this work? Someone with the new learning a new system needing the work? a Shortened offseason becoming a factor?
0: Uh, I would say, uh, for the most part, no. I'm I'm going to be open-minded about this. I'm going to continue to keep an eye on reports from you know our, our reporters, of course, and those on the scene for these teams to see how how players are progressing. But I always do that. But here's the thing with, you know, weighing this kind of thing uh, into projections. You know, what does the time off mean? What does the extra time off mean for these players? Does it mean worse timing between quarterbacks and receivers? Uh, Sure, that's possible. But wouldn't it also mean that the DBs are slower? The edge rush isn't getting there? You know, the edge rush is getting there a half a second slower, giving the quarterback more time to find an open receiver. You know, does it, you know, and you see this all this time, like especially with bye weeks, does it mean – that the players are going to be out of shape or does it mean they're going to be well rested right i mean you could sit there and listen to two people argue about this at the bar one guy's going to say it means they're well rested they're going to be better the other guy's going to say uh you know they're no they're they're rusty right they're not going to be good at, you know i i haven't seen any objective evidence that we should adjust based on on any of this stuff yet or um aggressively based on on time off you know like you always have that should should players rest in week 17 sort of debate if they're if they locked into a Uh, A playoff spot, you know, it just there's not hard evidence that suggests we should be making any massive changes based on this sort of stuff. Um, If anything, the, you know, not being injured and being rested is probably the more beneficial thing. But look, I know I know you're I know it's it's definitely a concern, but I think it applies on both sides of the ball. So I just don't know that we need to aggressively adjust our, our expectations based on it.
2: Good points. And it sounds more like this will be a conversation for your wide receiver cornerback matchups week one, depending on how things play out.
0: Yep. Well, well, again, I mean, if we slow down the receivers, we have to slow down the defenders, too. I don't know if it's going to make much of a difference. So I don't know. I mean, all new. This is all new to us. So we'll just kind of uh, take it day by day and and learn from from all the reports and and everything that comes out about uh, how this is affecting teams.
2: For sure. I kind of had that vision of that rookie wide receiver in this deep class going against a corner that's more experienced and you know could perform yeah. better with missing some time versus a rookie. Yeah, fair.
1: You know, Mike, those are great points though, because especially I would say a majority of the fantasy community, whether it's redraft or dynasty, we're not playing IDP. So we're strictly looking at the offensive side of the ball. So we talk about the impact that it has on them with the shortened off season. But the points that you brought up, really great insight. You know, it is going to affect both sides of the ball. And that's something that I think we need to pay more attention to and maybe not completely swing our projections one way or the other because of potentially some missed time this next question this is a fun one and you don't have to put anybody on blast but when you do your projections and you release them on twitter especially what is the most critical fan base when you receive feedback you know your projections come out and they all go oh you're way too low on player a how could you think this you know you know stuff like that
0: uh all 32 (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> look uh I, i'm serious i mean look there yeah there's some fan bases that are a little worse than others but usually it's the ones you're low on consistently right like uh the bills are are the obvious one i'm kind of infamous for that one i, I take a lot of heat from them but look i'm not a josh allen guy and he hasn't shown me that he can throw the ball effectively in the nfl so of course i'm going to be lower on the bills um so that that would be the specific team i guess but really it's it's a any team i'm lower on than than fan bases want me to be but really it's Every team because you know I'll just give you a very quick example. Um, I'm very high as Dan mentioned earlier on the Cowboys next season. I'm an Eagles fan actually and I have the Cowboys winning that division. I'm not biased. I'm being objective. The Cowboys are have a very good roster. They lost some players. They also added some key players at positions where they've been weak the past few seasons. So that team is very good and yet. There was a blog site, which I won't mention, that did a, kind of an article on that. And you would think it would be very positive, right? Like, whoa, look at this guy is on. And, and usually that's how they are. They're very fan centric, right? So if it's like, if it's I'm low on the team, it's very, you know, it'll attack me. If I'm high on them, it's very, you know, a lot of praise toward toward me for having that opinion. But this one was, it was like all of the comments were were negative, on this one, it was about the Cowboys. Like, I could how more far positive could I possibly be on that team? I'm probably the highest in the country on the Cowboys for this season, and it was all negativity in the comments. It's like over something specific, like Dak's yardage is down or something from like a career best year. It's like it's crazy. So you can't make anyone happy. All you can do is just be objective and try to put out the best information you possibly can. Because guess what? You might take a ton of heat now, which I do. But by season's end, a lot of it is going to prove right. Not everything. I'm going to get stuff wrong. I'm not perfect, but a lot of it will uh, be right, and you know we move on.
2: Mike, you made me happy today. I'm going to ask JB to cut that clip of you know you agree with me on the Cowboys. That, that's a pin Twitter uh, post there. Much appreciated.
1: <laughs> yeah, I can do that for you, Dan and M- <laughs> Mike. I think about I don't want to say the heat that we take for you know our takes or our projections. But it's it's such a smaller scale and not under the microscope that you are. So I can only imagine some of the feedback, both positive and probably a lot negative that you're you're taking over there.
0: Oh yeah, uh, for every yeah, or probably every five nice ones, there's ninety five uh, horrible ones. So let's just say I have five thousand plus people muted. You know, it's just, <laughs> you, you, it is what it is. You know,
1: I, I don't blame you. I, again, I I go through my muted list on Twitter. I have quite a list, not that many, but I still have quite a list because let's be honest, a lot of people, they're, you know, not exactly positive on there. Um, You know, Dan talked about some of your work, some of your recent articles, and you had one that came out somewhat recently, and it was the 50 things you learned while doing your 2020 projections article. So what are three things, or maybe even just one thing that really surprised you the most when doing your research?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, certainly could can pick out a few. I, I always like doing this article because it's very kind of in-depth look as I work player by player, team by team throughout through the league. But, um, you know, I'd say uh, how about the, the Browns backfield? You know, I was surprised by the fact that you look at Nick Chubb without Kareem Hunt versus with Kareem Hunt. I mean, he was the number six scoring running back without Kareem Hunt during weeks one through eight. But then Hunt comes back and he falls all the way to 15th and his target share fell down, his carries fell down. And I think the number that really surprised me the most was during those final eight games, Nick Chubb only outscored Hunt by three fantasy points. Right. It's I don't think people realize that. And that's something you have to keep in mind when uh, drafting, especially Chubb early on, is that, uh, you know, you can't just look at the season totals. He was you're going to have Kareem Hunt there for 16 games, most likely this season or or as long as he holds up. And that's going to be a factor for Nick Chubb. So I would say that's the, the first one that popped out.
1: Okay. Fair. Um, You know, and one last question for you here, Dan, Mitch, and myself, we kicked off this show almost a year ago today. So very new, obviously, in the fantasy football space as a content creator. You can give one piece of advice to folks just starting out. What is it?
0: Well, yeah, I usually answer this question pretty similarly, right? And if you guys are doing this a year later, you probably um, are doing this. Uh, and, and certainly the first point, which is that you're married to it, right? If you don't love this thing, it, it, you know, if it's not your hobby and your job, you're going to struggle. Right? You know, I've, when I was at PFF, I was kind of running the show. Or I was running the show for the fantasy section. And we had more people uh, come and, and start writing and write one or two articles and be just bored with it than we actually had on staff. I mean, it just happens so often. Uh, even if you're really smart and know football, people just don't feel like doing it. Uh, so you really do need to be married to it essentially. So, uh, there's that, um, there's be unique, you know, avoid cookie cutter content, do something different, you know, separate yourself. So people have a reason to go to you and not just, uh, you know, anyone else and, you know, be classy. That's the other part of it. You know, too many people try to make it in this industry by saying, you know, this here, here's why ESPN is awful and I'm better. And they just, you know, you, you see it. It's not, it's not just that. I mean, it's in any industry you see people tagging players all the time with negativity and stuff like that, but uh, that's not a good way to work your way uh, into an industry, any industry, but you see it often because of the presence fantasy football and, and NFL coverage has on social media. You see that negativity all the time. So you're going to work your way up. Um, You know, don't be a, don't be a clown. I mean, you want, you can be a clown you could have fun, but don't, uh, have a little
2: class along the way. Great advice there, Mike. And uh, I got to say, I appreciate your work being a few, few former uh, communications major. And, and I see how far you've grinded to, to take you where you are. I definitely encourage our listeners to read that 50 things I learned uh, while doing the projections article. That was great, Mike. And, and I did make it to number 50 and catch your sleepers. I was happy to see Damian <laughs> Harris on there, John Bauer, Damian Harris, who you were uh, throwing out a week ago. And, uh, but you brought me back to earth on some things, you know, Nick job, Marlon Mack, I thought was an interesting one, who I'm pretty high on this off season, but I think it's those kind of articles that when, when you go through them, it really helps your rankings as you see where guys are at. So great work there.
0: Yeah. And appreciate I happy- that. It, it helps me too. That's why I do that exercise. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I learned plenty from that. And I, I'm, I'm the same as the people reading it. I come across something and maybe I'm high in a guy and I read, and I, I did figure something out and type it up and I'm like, wow, well, maybe I shouldn't be so high on that guy. So um I'm just glad I'm able to share all that information.
1: And I was really happy to see I think you had Blake Jarwin on that final list of sleepers. That's somebody that we've talked about a lot. So that made me feel good. Okay, we're we're not too far from the the correct path here because um you know like Dan said your your work it it speaks for itself. Um you know and let's pretend like people don't know who you are and and uh, where they can find you. Let our listeners know where to find you anything special you're working on throughout the offseason Mike.
0: Uh, yeah, Matt, Mike Clay, and I fell on Twitter, and uh, all my work's over at ESPN.com. So uh, right now, I'm actually writing all the capsules, so they'll be up soon on the site with all the player projections, which we already have up. Um, we'll put the capsules there, so you have a little information if you're like, if you're mad that Joe Mixon is too low, for example, with the projection. There'll be some words there to explain why uh, I have him where I do. So working on that now, and then when I'm done, uh, guys, it, it'll be draft time. You know, we're what a week and a half away from the draft, and, and a lot will change once we get those. Uh, hundreds of players into the nfl and that'll be a grind for a few weeks as we really get uh prepping for the 2020 season so uh appreciate you guys having me on that was a lot of fun
1: yeah absolutely Uh, thank you for your joining us today um i was happy to see that your internet connection made it through the entire show
0: (laughs) yeah i was a little nervous there at times because i can outside the window man there's a lot of trees and you can you can hear it so i hope everybody out there in the especially the the east here where it's super windy stay safe today
1: yeah it's getting it's bad especially down in the south on the the coast here but again mike thank you so much for joining us and for the listeners thank you for tuning in find us on twitter and instagram at dynasty theory ff have a great night and stay safe